You're listening to Titans of Techcom, brought to you by Hereto, where you'll hear real stories from real people who have tried, failed, learned, and succeeded. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to Titans of Techcom. I'm your host, Vivek Nanda. I'm VP of Marketing at Hareto. Hareto is content ops platform for knowledge management. And today I have a very interesting guest. My guest today is Ishita Grover, and she is Director of Product Content at Cisco. Welcome to the show, Ishita. Thank you, Vivek. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure, pleasure being here. My pleasure having you. By the way, first of all, your job title, Director of Product Content. And uh, we talked about this in our conversation previously. And uh, I think it's very unique where you are in this universe of content. So tell me a little bit about what you do, uh, you know, and what what are your responsibilities in your current role? I think this is this is not like a regular question, even though it may sound to many. But I do want people to know exactly what you do. Sure. So um, Cisco, as many of you know or might know, is that is uh, really a collection of different business units, and um, each business unit has a specific product portfolio that they um, take care of. And um, I have been part of the cloud networking business unit for my entire tenure at Cisco. And like many people uh, who move around uh, different businesses, I've stayed on with the same business unit for my entire time. And uh, my role, in essence, basically um, comprises looking after content that is posted to um, our um, sales sites, our Cisco.com, obviously our primary uh, company website, corporate website, and it includes all content um, that our consumers, our users would be looking at or our perspective, and even sometimes that includes prospective buyers. So content that goes on uh, out for our partners, our our sales counterparts, our users, um, and, uh, you know, several others. So and it all, and basically the, <clears throat> the other way to look at it is content that serves different purposes. So it's pre-sales, it's marketing, it's uh, user documentation, technical user documentation, typically as it's known as most of us are familiar with. And then there's the support content as well that, uh, you know, typically our support teams will generate for the product for the release. Wonderful. So hence two my th- title. <laughs> two things I would point out there, and this is for everyone obviously listening, we hear a lot of product content, user content, support content, but we don't hear more from people in this group, especially about pre-sales content or marketing content. So tell us a little bit about what exactly in your world, that content that your team is doing right now. So when it comes to pre-sales content or marketing content, um, I will I will tell you what it means, but I I want our community to move away from these uh, distinctions of content or these different categories. Nonetheless, before I go there, pre pre sales typically is when you're when you're talking about a product launch or you're talking about um, when you're first introducing a product in the market, uh, when you're first introducing a new technology in the market. What kind of collateral 
should that come with? What is it that, who are you trying to target? Who's your target? Um, who are your tar different target geographies, the different targets of um, audiences, the different segments that uh, people come from, or, you know, different personas that we're trying to address. So that is typically um, <clears throat> falls in the pre-sales bucket per se. And um, it's more high level. It's more about, hey, look at this new shiny new thing that's coming into the market and you must buy it because it's going to solve all the world's problems. But um, jokes apart, but really it is, it is geared towards um, emphasizing the new functions, the new features, the new technology, the new product overall that we are bringing to the market. Interesting. And uh, how come marketing allowing to to build this content from technical oh, they don't they don't allow us to do anything <laughs> it's uh suddenly you have these five different people who will come into the play and say oh no no marketing content has to be handled by our marcom team and our uh, uh you know you as technical documentation folks cannot you know cannot write to it because you're too in the weeds and and things like that and this kind of takes you to the to the point that I've just made a little bit earlier is that these demarcations of content are really not um, conducive to a unified content experience, which which is something that we talk about with great passion is that it should be unified. The user we should treat treat content as as communication that is going from a company or from a manufacturer to our to our customers and for them if it is available on the world wide web anyone can read it at any given time so it doesn't matter whether whether someone is in the decision making stage or they have already been using the product for 5 years they everyone and anyone is exposed to the same content over and over again so it's in our best interest in terms of a company's best interest to really make sure that the content is fresh the content is up to date and the content actually speaks the same story it shouldn't be that you know marketing promised you the world and then technical documentation says oh wait half of the things don't work so there has to be uh, a common ground and there has to be the messaging that you know whatever we are producing actually has validity and it has been tried and tested and uh, that reminded me of something uh, our founder patrick was mentioning in a show where he was talking about content and he was like talking the similar way about channels like uh, people say i'm publishing content for this channel that channel but he, he was saying like and the point he was making was like well you can't say like web as just one channel because through web you are going to connect it to pretty much everything on exactly. the exactly yeah it's like uh, it, it's like through that you're expanding your message and then that's Absolutely. because your yeah. distribution and similar way i feel like content you should probably not try to say like this is what content is interesting and uh and uh, tell me well again i i want to jump to this first by but first i want to ask this question so what is your team's structure in particular way is it structured in a particular way or are there technical writers and do you have any other members too in the team or it's just technical writers how your team structure looks yeah, like yeah so if if someone was to go and open up the the uh, our directory structure uh, i mostly have technical writers on the team but 
recently we've introduced the content strategist role as well. And uh, the key distinction I, I would like to draw is actually, I think the point I want to make is that you graduate to the content strategist role after being a writer. Mm. And um, it's it's like an evolution of some sorts. And just like any other problem in the world, everything has different perspectives. But here, you know, what I'm trying to talk through is, is how I look at the content strategist, strategist role. If you if a person calls themselves a content strategist, they have to know the ins and outs of the content that is actually being strategized for. So if if you don't know the content and you and let's say you need know just bits and pieces of it, then you're not going to do justice with the strategy. <clears throat> it's kind of like um, many a times you hear, um, you know, product managers have to understand how the product actually works and they have to understand the strengths and weaknesses of the product so that they can take it to the next level. In the same way, content strategists, I think, um, have to have that view of what the content is capable of why it was written, who it was written for, what was the audience, and so on and so forth, so that they can actually create a strategy around it, and vice versa. So when there's something new coming up, what is the role of a content strategist? Because they are the ones who can help you tie the, uh, connect the dots and say, okay, this is what we have, this is where we are going, how do we kind of bridge that gap or you know, create that, uh, uh, that journey from point A to point B? So would you say like in general workflow in your team when you they basically the project starts, let's say, it goes through first more strategic views through the content strategist, how and what or not really how, really why and what we will be writing. And then the writers picks up and they are more focused on how we're going to write or how we're going to make sure adhere to the plan that's being presented. I wish we had that kind of time and, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like everything else, just like, you know, high tech in its uh, glory, everything happens at the same time. Um, we are working with our, the two teams that we work most closely with are our marketing team and our engineering team. And they're they are kind of like, I the documentation team has two managers or two um, people, we, <clears throat> two organizations we report into. There is one, of course, from a from a directory point of view, uh, we report into, and then there's the dotted line, you know, so. Sure. Um, so to, just to explain how the function actually fits into the business unit, we work with our engineering counterparts, and of course, we work with our marketing counterparts. And we, in many ways, serve as a liaison between the two. Marketing will typically talk to us about product strategy. This product is going to be on-prem. This product is going to be in the cloud. And then you have to kind of figure out how the content's going to play out in, in, in that realm, in those two realms. That's that's one. Engineering comes in and, and gives us their feedback. Like, you know, this is this is an entry point for our customers. This, this is another entry point for our customers. How do you want to make sure that they have a seamless experience? So... So if you think about it, all these different factors, and I'm I'm just 
I'm keeping this as away from the weeds as possible. Um, I'm trying to just make sure that, you know, um, making, so the the goal of a writer typically comes down to how do I make it so that the content experience is as seamless as possible for our customers. My role for the longest time has been uh, figuring out how these parts come together, how these different pieces come together. And, And my team, most of us, most of my team has worked with me for a very long time. So we all really just get together and and figure these most of these things out, um, you know, on an ongoing basis. There have been times when um, we have pulled the plug on things well into the project and said, okay, this strategy is going to work and and go back to the drawing board. Um, sometimes, and honestly, I think um, for the longest time, for the past 10, 12 years, a lot of things went, uh, did not have a whole lot of change. But I think mm-hmm. over the past five, seven years, there has been more change in the way content delivery is looked at and how much importance it is being given um, now in, in, the, in the kind of uh, the environment we are in. And I think I attribute that more to uh, more more populations being online, uh, people accessing right. content online and, and, and such. And then, of course, our smart devices and smartphones and all that, um, you know, they just add to the fun. So, so yeah. And uh, do you think knowledge management job titles, like, I mean, there's also knowledge managers, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you think they are almost a parallel to what is content strategist because they, and this is in my experience and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, is I see more knowledge manager or knowledge management still being more like a central function and mm-hmm. they still have more strategic, uh, you know, vision mm-hmm. of how they are doing the content. And also most of the time they have writers and partners into different departments, but they are still more like centralized or shared, shared services mm-hmm. or sure. enterprises. And do you see that panel with content strategists and uh, that kind of uh, knowledge managers doing the same Cisco thing? has been through, a, we've been through both of those situations where, where we used to have a central organization as well as, um, a, you know, a, a kind of like you're divided up across different business units. And uh, both, of course, have their pros and cons. There's, there's no doubt about it. But I think um, the more I've thought about this uh, over the in the past few years, I think that um, first of all, I, I want to make clear that there is um, we don't have a knowledge manager role per se, not to the best of my knowledge, in in Cisco. We mostly have technical writers, we have UX writers, we have mm-hmm. um, content strategists, we have information architects. You know, those those are the roles that I am uh, that I'm pretty sure still exist in in uh, in the company. Knowledge managers, I I have heard more on the learning and development side. People who are right. more geared on the training, uh, uh, focused on the training content, mm-hmm. but um, but not on the on on the user documentation per se so going back to your question about how these roles and what what do they actually mean in in essence let's take the roles out for a second and and let's think about what what is it that we produce we all produce content we produce information we produce 
collateral. We produce um, user documentation. We use you know procedures and 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 so on and so forth. So the point being that this is all the written or video word. This is content that is actually going out to our customers, to our users. Right. So how do you create the not no one person can create all the content needed either we we all understand that so yeah. then you think about okay should we divide up the should we divide up content by the function that's that's going to create or is going to be held accountable for it hence smart com writer versus a technical writer versus a support writer you know so then then that's how you get these names is that by function i belong in marketing so i'm a marcom person i'm a sales i'm in the sales team so i'm a sales writer you know so that's kind of how it becomes and then you think about but at the end of the day yet even though these three people are creating content for three different functions the product for which you're writing the or the service that you're writing the content for is still the same right so why is it that these three people or these three entities should not be talking to each other? And believe it or not, it's a it's more common than not where literally it's true. People producing content for the same product by the sheer fact, based on the fact that they are they are not in the same department or in the same organization, there is no conversation between these three four people. Right. Yeah. And let me let me throw another. Um, wrench at this. The way uh, many uh, publishing systems are set up in larger companies, these publishing systems don't even let the content in the CMS talk to each other. Yeah. So if, let's say, there are, um, by chance, if my marketing uh, counterpart created a document with the same title as mine that is coming from a technical documentation team, there's no way the publishing system will even catch that, hey, you guys have the two, you're producing exactly identical content. Right. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I mean, it's that's just how things stand today. Well, little Talk bit about of redundancy. <laughs> well, a little bit of shameless plug here for our product, right? And that's our vision, <laughs> unifying it. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, we obviously still don't have, because we are more headless, on the delivery side, and we also have, uh, 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 you know, it's it's not like it's not still the Marcom content strong because you know they need more like uh, engines like WordPress or stuff like that where they mm-hmm. want to make changes yeah. quickly on the web and do it. You can do it all those things in our system too, but that's kind of where we talk about a lot about the reuse part because of course you know our tech is based on whole modular content hits the foundation so we talk mm-hmm. about this a lot in terms of like the same content can be used across learning and training policies and procedures product documentation yeah. and that's kind of our uh, that's really a big selling point for us but yeah. the point is I, I realize that it's not more of a tool problem though it's more of a people problem or process mm-hmm. problem yeah. Uh, first of all, enterprises don't even view that they can exist together. For some reason, they just come with this uh, worldview of like that these are very separate. Mm-hmm. And even though they're using the same, you know, same content. And uh, my vision would be like as our product advances, maybe we could have libraries and stuff that can connect yes. to Marcom systems. Absolutely. And when yeah. people are writing and based on some content, it can 
give them well, a warning the right information is, like you can reuse stuff like that because we saw i don't know more than 90% match of what you're writing there is uh, something sitting so uh but you're very right but i do think it's like uh more than the tool it's really the people problem would you agree that it's like more the organizational structure it is like, and i think um and i i have there you know if you, if we were having this conversation i would say four years ago i would tell you yes this is how it is and this is how it should be and you know we should be it's a good thing that we are divided up into five different organizations even though we don't need to and we produce content for the same product but i think over the past uh, two years just categorically i have realized that silos exist and you know obviously there is good good reason why um those silos were created i'm not going to nullify whatever thought process went into that you know there was there was good reason for for whatever was put together right. but i personally feel that those silos need to be the boundaries need to be more fluid i personally feel the communication needs to be far more open and in my opinion if our t- you know many and, and you know there's another um, angle to this a lot of people blame the tools or oh, the tools don't let me do this and this is where i have gone back and often um then i have spoken in conferences and things i've always said that the tools are designed to help you and if you have a specific requirement i'm pretty sure the tools people will yeah. make it work mm-hmm. now so going back to my point i personally think yes my team even though we are in the business unit and we create very specific user documentation on how to use the product they should have full visibility into what the marketing content is they should have full visibility into what the support content is and the reason i say this is because it's important for us to convey the same messaging if marketing is saying that we are this new release is going to be packed with security features then am i doing justice to that pitch in the user documentation that i'm creating and when when have i done that and then in turn from this from uh, my uh, from our support team when they create content for how to resolve a specific issue related to the security features that we just pitched about right i need to make sure that technical documentation has worked that piece of information as well into the user documentation so there are very very strong touch points the question is how do you make use of them right okay uh, so let's talk about you know kpis what are the key kpis you track for your team on daily weekly monthly basis so from a, uh, it's basically most valuable content is what we go after and i think every business will have their own definition of what most sure. valuable content means and if it was amazon they would even link a product review to did it take you to you know add did the user add this product to the to their basket to their cart right. i can't do that at cisco sorry it's not going to work <laughs> did they read your user documentation and click buy i don't know um so the 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 way we measure our uh, most valuable content is typically we will uh we have a ba- very basic formula that we that we follow number of uh 
number of hits, number of page views, I should say, um, added to number of downloads. Okay. I mean, did that, pers did that person actually download the content? And that's one way to look at it. And then there is a uh, number of hits times dwell time. How long were they on the page um, for, for whatever? Yes, there are loopholes. They could, someone could leave the page on and go walk away and, sure. you know, get to grab a, a cup of coffee or something like that. But this is at a very high level is how we typically track uh, most valuable content. The other way to look at it is uh, keywords. What did the user uh, find your, uh, which word did they use uh, to find your content? Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's another way we track it. So there, there are some ways to uh, collect this information. What we do with this information typically is we try to, um, so, you know, you, you're probably aware, data by itself means nothing. It's really about how you translate that, that information. Mm -hmm. So if it is, uh, if there are, um, if a specific document or a specific piece of content has gotten more hits over a specific period of time, what are the possible reasons for that happening? <clears throat> Usually when it comes to technical documentation, it's probably because they couldn't figure out how to make it work. So, <laughs> so when, <clears throat> when that happens, <clears throat> we typically take that information back to our engineering team and say, this is something to think about. You know, whether they actually take it seriously and do something about it is, is a whole different uh, situation. But this is the kind of information we do take back to our engineering teams and, and tell them that, hey, this, this is a behavior that we have noticed. Another behavior that we notice is uh, release notes typically get a lot of hits around the time of a release because you know everyone wants to get to know what the latest release is. So going back to the point I made earlier, a business decision maker or someone who's going to make a buying decision these days, will we'll typically re read the release documentation instead of reading the Marcom content <laughs> because they need to see how many problems are in the product, not yeah. how great it is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's something to be thought about. And that is another reason why these silos should not exist. And if they do, they need to be talking to each other. Interesting. It's like... Uh... It's like whenever I'm buying stuff on Amazon, I don't read the good reviews. <laughs> only, only Obviously, right? Yeah. Bad reviews and trying to see like, oh, yeah. does it make sense? Or what's the question? Yeah. Like something that, uh, you know, stops me from not wasting my money. So exactly. it's, it's the same thing with software, I guess, right? Like we yeah. want to make sure that it's not clunky <laughs> at, the, mm -hmm. at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, I mean... Of course, you know, when I think of enterprise content strategy, and again, I am someone who's like been into engineering and then now in marketing world. And I still believe that a lot of enterprises view their enterprise content strategy in very much like separations. They don't they don't see like they just see like, all right, our content strategy is just mark on content that will get us like that's the content we think right yeah. and that's the uh, but my thinking is obviously like you know like you mentioned it's it's a very de-siloed word for enterprises to succeed so Marcom is just one pillar. Other pillar is your knowledge. Other pillar is your reference content. Other pillar is your uh, you know like product content. So that product yeah. content is going to drive it. So that's all is all your enterprise strategy. 
Mm-hmm. Keeping that in mind, you commented something on my LinkedIn post, which was like companies should have chief content officers, mm-hmm. uh, or you also said chief content strategist position. So mm-hmm. I found that idea really interesting. So what I have a question is, where did you get this idea from, and who will be this person? Like, what will be their background? So uh, that's an so for example okay let's let's look at um, I'll answer your your question about how I heard about this or where I heard about this first I mm-hmm. I follow Neer Eyal on uh, LinkedIn and he is actually the person who actually made this um, yeah uh, comment for the first time and this was a few years ago and I was like hmm never thought about that but it does sound interesting and I started reading up on it. a lot more and then there were many other folks who who have delved into it and when i think about the concept of a chief content officer and map it to what i see in the real in corporate america or you know uh, the the different corporations that i have had experience with if you what i tie it to is um for example you have a people and communities chief you have a cmo your chief marketing officer does not mean the entire marketing population reports to this person your chief people and communities person or um, is also known as a human resources uh, aspect of things not even if they have an org their representatives are distributed across different departments in the company in uh, but what comes from them top down versus what is it that they're collecting laterally in their uh, in their specific roles it all comes together and they are able to do much better at their function because it is fed and it's kept healthy from one direction and it is distributed across um, you know the the other channels that they're um, catering to so who would be a chief content officer obviously someone who understands the product offerings of a company or service offerings of a company who is um responsible who is held responsible for all comms that goes out which right. includes comms that are related to um you know related to different stages in a product journey and again this all content people in a company don't have to report to this person because the funny thing is the moment you talk about a position the first thing that people <laughs> think about is how many people are going to report to me i think that is that should be the least of your problems and it's but it's the question is what is it that you're going to actually drive right i'll take uh, i'll take a uh, a topic which is uh, top of mind for many of us it is the whole inclusion and diversity thing that right. everyone's talking about these days and the and un, in under the umbrella of that initiative there are a lot of words that tech has been asked to remove right mm-hmm. so we are doing our part cisco is definitely doing their part in terms of you know how to how to address this problem but there are things there are words there is usage which is in the code there is usage which is which has been there for years on end there is usage of these words not even cisco i'm talking about these are 
networking words that are in the IEEE uh, knowledge base, if you think about it. Right. How do we address that? Who is the, who is IEEE's chief content person who's going to take care of these things? Right. Right. So yeah. these are this is where I, I feel this is where these are the kind of um, points that a chief content officer can address. This person can actually create um, the true KPIs for most valuable content, which is consistent across an organization. It's not just one one arm of the organization that's actually paying attention to this, but it's it's uh, many different, all anyone who plays in the content arena, they can actually standardize on the tool sets that we use. Every group in, in a company has the ability to go pick whatever they think is best. What happens with that? I mean, tools are great, but they introduce their own idiosyncrasies in our content, right. <laughs> which is, yeah. so, so the, there's that aspect to it. And and the whole point about how do you drive product success through content can actually be defined, can actually have a very clear definition around it. Right. So those are some of the things that I think a chief content officer can, can drive. Interesting. And do you know any company that has this role? Like I have really? only heard about this position in companies like Google and Facebook. Um, I don't know about Amazon, whether they have it or not. But um, even in the case of Google and Facebook, are they actually managing this from the C-level? I, I don't know. All mm -hmm. I know is that there are people who are looking at content strategy because for them, content is their business. That is what right. they sell, if you think yeah. about it. Yeah, so, that's true. Very yeah. interesting. So, so for the people who are listening, it will be interesting when when we publish this podcast. Tweet us, let us know if you know any company who has similar yeah. roles. That would be Absolutely. really interesting for us. To know. Yeah. All right, and uh, so. How, how would anyone get to such a role at a company? I know it's very vague, but also like very difficult task to really. It is difficult. Absolutely, so it's difficult. Any 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 thoughts there? Any thoughts? I think um, this the person whoever is in in such a role should have the ability to to be able to connect connect the connect people. You have to know how to connect people. You have to be able to understand how to connect content to your product offerings. So there is a content is like the glue in a lot of ways. You know, it, it brings different aspects of um, of an entity together. Right. Um, when, before even you even before you meet a salesperson or even before you walk into the Apple store. The first thing you've looked at is their billboards and you've looked at their different um, ads that have popped up on your, you know, when you were browsing and things like that. That is not a human being talking. That's that's content. So <clears throat> how do you how do you actually tap into the power of content? So this is the one thing that I would expect this person to know how to do is to tap into the power of content, bring out that passion uh, from the, the personnel who create the content and, and leverage it towards the product or the service the company is, is about. 
don't push content to the end of the food chain. <laughs> That's the one thing I would suggest this person better not do. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, that's what I would expect. Interesting. It's funny that you said that uh, you know when we talk about personalization everybody's thinking about the delivery side. But yeah. but the real personalization only happens when your content is standardized, right? Yes. The standardization is where it will start, right? So yeah, it's exactly. like, it's so simple, but the view, the way we look at is the delivery endpoint and thinking like, mm -hmm. can it go in multiple devices? Can it go in multiple formats? Rather than not saying that, well, and, and, and this is the thing I heard uh, also my founder saying, Patrick, yesterday, like, it was like earlier it was like garbage in garbage out now personalization mm -hmm. is like generic in generic out i was like yeah, yeah. that's, that's true it's the like, the interesting thing is you know people talk about channels people talk about um the the platforms people talk about what you want to achieve with content but no right. one really talks about the content creation piece of things Right. No one really focuses on that effort. You know, people are always thinking about the finished product, but no one is actually thinking about how to create that content. You know, like I've been sitting in on meetings about uh, about one of the initiatives and and all the conversation about, yeah, we need this and we need that. and we, But who's actually going to write it? No one has discussed right. that. <laughs> so it's, it's really mind-boggling for me is that, People talk about content as if it already exists, but believe me, it does not. <laughs> right, right. It's the same, and this could be another whole episode. It's the same story with AI and machine learning. Everybody yeah. wants to see AI machine learning, but nobody wants to talk about that the input is structured content. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's funny you bring that up because a couple of years ago, I was in this conversation about, they were talking about how we could insert a chatbot um, or a bot, I should say, not a chatbot, but a bot in right. the <clears throat> in the online help realm of the product. And uh, and we went through the whole motion of how and why and what and everything. And no one thought about you have to keep teaching your bot. Right. <laughs> and that means content creation, but no one thought about it. <laughs> so, yeah all right good uh so this is the question i asked to each guest more personal uh mm -hmm. so would would you like to tell the world one thing that no one in your professional circles know about you the one thing that no one um and it could be anything you know like anything that you would like to share of course boy my my life is an open book <laughs> i guess the one thing that people might not know is that my favorite dessert is ice cream i guess <laughs> <laughs> okay well that's, uh, if that's what you want to share so people know how to reach out to you with an ice cream so <laughs> there you go <laughs> at least that's the cue here let's see people can pick it up <laughs> yeah all right Cool. So again, Ishida, thank you. Thanks for your time. This has been really helpful. And the whole idea is behind this podcast is we want to not just talk about the technical stuff. There's a lot of stuff outside there to talk about tech stuff. This is more about, you know, 
the other stuff, the people stuff, the things mm-hmm. that matter. And this is why this was such an interesting conversation. But before we let you go, where can people find you if they want to connect with you or ask you more questions? My email address, I can send that over to you if you want to use that. Or um, I'm on LinkedIn sure. uh, if anyone wants to reach out. So All right. So we'll, we'll share Ishida's email and uh, of course to find her search on search her on linkedin and you'll be able to connect with her and do mention if you he- heard her on this podcast so that will be easier for her to remember uh, mm-hmm. all right then thank you ishta i appreciate once again and uh, to our listeners we'll come back to another episode next one and uh, thank you for listening thank this you very much come and enjoy all right Thanks for listening to Titans of Techcom, brought to you by Hereto. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Looking forward to next time with more real stories from real people just like you.